This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. 77 years ago this month, Winston Churchill came to Missouri and made history. The former British Prime Minister gave a speech at Westminster College in Fulton, just over 100 miles west of St. Louis. The speech was titled, The Sinews of Peace, and you may recall this memorable line. From Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an iron curtain has descended across the continent. That 1946 speech has been credited with signaling the beginning of the Cold War. But it was delivered far, far away from the Iron Curtain, in the middle of Missouri, in a town of fewer than 10,000 people. While fast forward about 20 years from that speech to the 1960s, and leaders at Westminster College wanted to commemorate Churchill's visit. So they decided to make something. So to do that, they had the stones of a burned-out London church shipped from England to Missouri and rebuilt the edifice on campus. That church, called St. Mary the Virgin Aldermanbury, is quite literally the largest piece in the collection of the National Churchill Museum, and it's now undergoing a multi-million dollar restoration. Joining us today to talk about that and more is Tim Riley. He is the Sandra L. and Monroe E. Trout Director and Chief Curator at America's National Churchill Museum at Westminster College. Tim, welcome back. Well, thank you very much. Now, before we get into the restoration of this church, let's talk about the history of the church, St. Mary the Virgin, Aldermanbury. I mentioned in the introduction that the stones were shipped to Missouri in the 1960s. And at that point, the church had been destroyed twice, which we'll get into in a moment. But Tim, first, tell us about the origins of this church. St. Mary the Virgin Aldermanbury Mary is really a remarkable and almost incredible story uh, for us to imagine today. You know, it was 50 years ago that it came to Fulton, but the earliest traces of the church date to the 1180s. It's a medieval church. Uh, it was built in London. It was a parish. It survived in London uh, in the 1200s, the 1300s, the 1400s. It was the church um, a block away from the church Shakespeare lived. Mm. Two of Shakespeare's actors were wardens of the church. Uh, it thrived in London. Uh, John Milton, the great British writer, was married in St. Mary the Virgin <laughs> Aldermanbury. So historically, this London church, this mm. British church, has a terrific um, history, uh, early history, uh, until um, a fateful day in 1666 when the Great Fire of London blazed and raged throughout London, uh, all but destroying the original church. Mm-hmm. And uh, London rebuilt that church. Um, Christopher Wren, the great British architect, uh, rebuilt uh, St. Mary the Virgin Aldermanbury along with 51 other parish churches after the Great Fire. And uh, like a phoenix from the ashes, Aldermanbury rose again uh, and had a second life in London uh, from the 1600s uh, into the 20th century uh, until it was bombed by the Germans again and destroyed in World War II. Extraordinary history. So then we come to, that's many, many, many years, many names, um, many rebuildings. Then we get to Winston Churchill coming to Fulton, Missouri. 
What brought Winston Churchill to the very middle of the United States in 1946? Well, World War II was over uh, in May of 1945 in Europe, victory in Europe day. Churchill famously gave his this is your victory speech. Uh, It was a high moment for Winston Churchill. Uh, though, as parliamentary uh, elections go, uh, a few months later, uh, Winston Churchill's party stood for election and he lost. Mm-hmm. You know, he won the war, but he lost an election. So Churchill's out of power as prime minister, arguably the most famous voice uh, and, and picture image in the world. Um, and he, he was quite despondent and, and, and down. Uh, he had won the war, lost an election. His wife, Clementine, famously said, Winston, I think this is a blessing in disguise, to which he replied, it's very effectively disguised. <laughs> um, but he received an invitation from Westminster College mm-hmm. uh, in the wake of the election loss, inviting him to come to Fulton, Missouri at Westminster College to deliver the John Finley Green Foundation lecture. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm convinced Churchill would have given this letter to a, a, an aide saying, tell them I can't come, except for on the bottom of the note, the letter from Westminster College was a handwritten PS that said, this is a wonderful school in my home state. If you come, I will introduce you. Best regards, Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. And when President Truman wrote that postscript, Churchill said, I'm coming. And he came to Westminster College to deliver arguably one of the most famous post-war speeches um, and most important speeches he ever gave. And do you have any insights into why Truman would take that step to add such a personal note? He, he, he was asked to do it by um, General Harry Vaughan. Uh, Harry Vaughan was a Westminster alumnus. Uh, graduated in the 19-teens together with the then Westminster College president. So it was a a little bit of the Westminster College alumni network working. uh, And when uh, Harry Vaughan, who was a chief military advisor to President Truman, said, I think uh, Fulton would like to bring uh, Churchill to Westminster College, uh, he said, let's go. Let's go see Truman. All right. So there's some flexing involved there. Of course. So two decades later, in the 1960s, Um, Westminster College leaders wanted to commemorate Churchill's visit. However did they come up with the idea to buy the stones of a church, certainly a a church of high repute, but a church that had lain in ruins in, in London for several years? You can almost imagine someone saying, you know, that that speech that Churchill gave, the Iron Curtain speech, turned out to be, in, by the early 60s, um, more than prescient. The Cold War was raging, and Churchill warned of the Iron Curtain. It was, it was right. So the college wanted to do something to commemorate that speech. Churchill was... 80, in his 80s, so he was still around. Um, and you can imagine a committee saying, let's let's put a statue up, let's build a garden, let's have a plaque. And then someone said, let's bring a church from London and relocate it and rebuild it on the campus of Westminster College. And the laughter you just had probably was the same uh, reaction that was given at the time. However, uh, the idea had merit. Um, another Westminster College president um, Larry Davidson had just seen a, a Life magazine article about ah. some of the ruined churches from Christopher Wren mm-hmm. that had been in ruins in London for 20 years. They hadn't been rebuilt. The post-war economy in London was such they couldn't afford to rebuild them. They couldn't afford to take them down. So when Westminster College said, we'd like to bring one of these over, they convinced the city of London, the Diocese of London, uh, and with Churchill's blessing, mm-hmm. um, he was 88 years old, and he wrote us a letter saying, this is a novel concept. Um the project happened. Okay. <laughs> and were those stones then purchased? Were they donated? I mean, how how did that all work? 
You know, there was a, a, an architect named Patrick Horsborough, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Scottish-born, uh, but uh, was, was at Notre Dame for many years, uh, was a consultant on the project, and he went over to scope out some of the, the stones, looked at 20-plus churches in London, uh, and chose Aldermanbury, and had to convince uh, and persuade uh, both the city of London, the Diocese of London, and others uh, that it was a good idea. But again, with Churchill's endorsement, but also on this side of the Atlantic, President Kennedy, President Truman, former President Eisenhower, President Johnson all got on board. Uh, and with these these world leaders saying, we'd like to do this, um, any resistance, and it really was minimal, mm-hmm. uh, any resistance that may have existed said, you know, this is a good idea. Um, the church would have probably been torn down. Um, and this was a, a novel concept and a novel solution. Right. So if we're talking about 1960s, how were the stones shipped to Fulton? Like, how did they actually get here? It was a it was a great process. I mean, they were numbered, cleaned. Uh, there was scaffolding erected in London, uh, and they were packed up. Uh, they were shipped. They were actually the stones were used to save costs as ballast. Uh, on a ship okay. to, to, to the Atlantic. They traveled to the East Coast and then uh, were transferred by rail car uh, from from the East Coast to, to Missouri uh, and then uh, shipped uh, to the site and rebuilt. Uh, the, the Sunday Times of London called it the greatest jigsaw puzzle in the history of architecture. <laughs> and pieces with um, quite a lot of history in each one. We're speaking with Tim Riley, who's the director and chief curator at America's National Churchill Museum at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. Now, how did the construction go, and how long did it take to get from you know, the stone's first arrival to the, the placing of the last one? The concept began in 1961. Interestingly enough, the same year the uh, Berlin Wall was started to be built. Uh, and uh, it took a few years of, of positioning and politicking to, to, to get the green light to raise funds to move the church. Uh, and the first stones came over in 1966. Uh, actually, in mm-hmm. 64, ceremonially, they mm-hmm. shipped over via plane about four or five stones <laughs> so that Harry Truman could come back to campus uh, and do a ceremonial groundbreaking. But in earnest, the stones were moved over in 66. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the project was completed in 1969. It's the same time period. Uh, in the 1960s, when President Kennedy said in the, in the famously in the beginning of the decade, by the end of the decade, we'll have a man on the moon. Well, Westminster College said, by the end of the decade, we'll have a Wren church in, in, on campus. It was cr- incredible. So it was finally dedicated then in the late 60s. How did it look when it was done? You know, for example, how big was it? And what were some of its main features? You know, it, it, it's made of Portland limestone, uh, which is one of the uh, great bright white stones. The stones had been cleaned, so the centuries of grime, the soot, the damage of war had been removed. Uh, it looked very, very good mm-hmm. uh, on May 7th, 1969, when the church was dedicated. Lord Mountbatten was here to dedicate the, the, the church, um, along with dignitaries, members of the Churchill family. And uh, it was it was it was it was uh, at once the newest and oldest church in the United States. <laughs> Lots of character to come too. Now, in 2023, this year, there's a year-long commemoration of the architect Christopher Wren, and that marks the 300th anniversary of his death. The National Churchill Museum is the only non-UK-based entity involved. So. 
uh, just another note about how unique this church uh, being in Missouri is. And I uh, was born and raised in Canada, so it's it's surprising to hear that it is the only one even um, in, in consideration of Commonwealth countries. Um, this church is undergoing this renovation. Why is this needed? Well, over the decades, uh, and I'm talking about the last 50 years at Westminster College in Fulton, you know, the, the church has, has seen its share of, of, of needs as far as water intrusion, there's a crack here, and, and so forth. We've taken very good care of it over the years, but as, as things happen, especially with a, a 50-year-old church going on almost 650, <laughs> uh, it, it, it needed a nip and tuck here and there, and we were seeing some water intrusion issues. So we, we really identified a number of years ago a, a kind of mini master plan on, on how to conserve, preserve, preserve uh, and make sure that the church, um, this unique uh, architectural uh, masterpiece in North America uh, was was taken care of, and so we've we've been we, over the last few years and going into this year and next, uh, plan to do some major preservation on the work mm-hmm. of the church. So there is preservation as it pertains to Churchill, but then you know there is Christopher Wren, obviously who's the, the famed architect behind this church, as well as. Um, St. Paul's Cathedral, um, and as you said, I think you said 51 other... Correct. Parish churches in London, right? That is incredible. Now, how has uh, Wren's being celebrated in this way and uh, architects being part of this latest renovation? um, How have those architects been chosen? And is it sort of a, a plum project because of the connection to such... Um, such a figure in in architecture history. It, it is a, it's a special project. The, the preservation uh, of especially the the seventeenth century Wren era stone it requires some specialty work. Uh, we can't just go out to to the uh, local home supply store and and put some new spackle on the place. <laughs> uh, so there are experts and preservationists who are very very engaged. We've got a company out of Kansas City who specializes in such things, helping us and advising us on on the project. Um, it is a plum project. Uh, it really is. And uh, those, when we were working on some of the preservation of the stone on the tower section, uh, I had a was very fortunate to go up in the cranes and, and look, you know, with my hard hat on, up close with some of the contractors working on the stone. And I was explaining some of the cracks and some of the um, history of the church. And uh, we all took a moment, you know, high up on this scaffolding, looking at this church, imagining the German bombers, you know, destroying it in World War II. And it was now on our watch to help rebuild it. It really is a, an extraordinary and moving uh, testament to uh, to resilience, as, mm-hmm. as I think it is. And resilience needs investment. So how is this renovation project being funded? And you know, who's behind it? Anyone will, will help. Uh, <laughs> we actually have a, a great uh, support base uh, of donors uh, who have uh, contributed $1.6 million, which we've already invested into the, the, the facility. Uh, we recently received a, a one9 um, million dollar grant from the Economic Development Administration, Department of Commerce, uh, so federal endorsement here, uh, as well as a, a matching amount um, supplied by Westminster College. So all told, um, we've dedicated to either spent or about to spend six million dollars uh, to make sure that this uh, really world architectural treasure uh, is preserved, certainly for the for the decades to come. Mm-hmm. Now. 
Russian aggression is something that people have been talking about. They're thinking about people are experiencing. So Churchill came to Fulton in 1946, warning of grave danger if the Western powers were to appease the Soviets. Let's listen to more from that Iron Curtain speech. Last time, I saw it all coming. And I cried aloud to my own fellow countrymen and to the world, but, uh, but no one paid any attention. Up till the year 1933, or even 1935, Germany might have been saved from the awful fate which had overtaken her. And we might all have been spared the miseries Hitler let loose upon mankind. There never was a war in history easier to prevent by timely action than the one which had just desolated such great areas of the globe. It could have been prevented, in my belief, without the firing of a single shot. And Germany might be powerful, prosperous, and honored today. But no one would listen. And one by one, we were all sucked into the awful whirlpool. Surely, ladies and gentlemen, I put it to you, surely we must not let that happen again. So Churchill's basically comparing the threat from the Soviets to the threat of the Nazis. And the Soviets were the UK's former allies. And he's basically saying, I've been saying this, you, y'all have not been listening. What kind of reaction did Churchill's speech set off among those who were present for the speech? You know, I've talked to uh, a number of people who were there in the gymnasium, the gymnasium at Westminster College, which is the largest room on campus that held mm-hmm. the speech, uh, and heard Churchill make that famous warning in comparison. Uh, and, and many did not fully understand that Churchill was, 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 was issuing a grave warning. After all, the Soviets had been our allies. The United States, Great Britain, the Soviets helped defeat Hitler. Uh, and now Churchill's warning that the former allies may be adversaries in, 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 in saying an iron curtain was descending. Uh, that was a radical move for, mm-hmm. for, 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 for Churchill. And, and reaction to the speech at first was mixed. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt hated it. She did not <laughs> like it. She thought, what are you saying, Winston Churchill? My, my late husband would have uh, you know, walked out. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, as time passed, you know, the words became prescient and the geopolitical situation became clearer. And Churchill had really the last say. And, and in fact, what he was warning about, in fact, did come to pass. Mm-hmm. Now, that famous Iron Curtain speech, as it is called, was all about Soviet aggression in 1946. We're now in 2023 and more than a year into Russia's illegal war against Ukraine. When you think about that 1946 speech and today's events, you know, as they're happening, what comes to mind for you, Tim? That Churchill was right. Um, I think that one of the things, that one of the greatest legacies of Churchill's speech at Westminster College is that world leaders have followed in his footsteps to make their own remarks, uh, whether it be President Reagan and and Mikhail Gorbachev after the fall of the Cold War, fall of the wall, uh, or more recently, um, Secretary of State Malina Albright was with us. uh, And these world leaders continually come to Westminster College to to make remarks. Um, Last October, we had Gary Kasparov, the great chess master, 
who was born behind the Iron Curtain, mm. come and give a speech called The New Sinews of Peace. Churchill called his speech The Sinews of Peace. We forget about that. Mm-hmm. It's commonly known as the Iron Curtain speech. Sure. But he called it The Sinews of Peace. What are, what are the uh, recipe and, and strength, the tendons that hold together peace? Uh, and that was uh, importance of, of alliance building and the importance of lifting up the values of democracy and freedom. Um, these were the virtues that Churchill was was espousing. You know, the speech is remembered, I think, for its warning, but it really is first and foremost uh, an uplifting of those democratic values mm-hmm. that the United States and the UK um, uh, the, the share. And I think Churchill's speech today, given the situation in Ukraine, uh, is a constant reminder that those values of freedom, of freedom of speech, freedom of elections, and so forth, um, that are not happening uh, on the Russian side today uh, are something that are worth remembering. And um, that's, I think, what uh, leaders like uh, President Zelensky uh, are doing. Uh, he's, he's quoting Churchill. <laughs> he's seeming like Churchill and being compared to Churchill, uh, lifting up these values and building together coalitions uh, to stand up against, as you rightly say, I think, the, the illegal um, aggression uh, by, by Mr. Putin uh, into Ukraine. Thank you so much for coming today to, to catch us up on, on the history of not only the church, but why it got to Fulton, Missouri in the first place. Tim Riley is director and chief curator at America's National Churchill Museum at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. Thank you for being with us in studio. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Alex Hoyer with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.